Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Yes, You Can podcast. My name is Hannah, and I am your host and the founder of this podcast and a spin instructor. <laughs> and you can follow me at Hannah Rose Spin. Um, what the fuck else do I say? Uh, whatever. Honestly, every time I do this, it's like doing it for the first time. And because I'm talking about a different topic today and because my dogs are running around, little tap, tap, tap on the floor, it's kind of distracting. Um... I am going to be talking about spin today. So I'm taking a bit of a different approach because when I started this podcast, it was mostly focused on mental health. And while spin is definitely part of that, and I'll, I'm sure I'll wrap it up all around in the end, a heads up that I'm going to be talking like a lot about spin. So if you are not a spin aficionado enthusiast, you know, two no now, although you would have seen the title. So you know what you're in for, whatever, fuck. <laughs> um, it's been a funny day because I recorded a video earlier for work. I, um, most of you who know me know that this is um, spin and, and the other things I do are really just kind of passion projects, including this podcast. I am the director of development at a charity here in Winnipeg and we are doing a holiday appeal. So now's the time of the year when everybody gives their gifts and, you know, gets those tax receipts and there's giving Tuesday coming up and all of that. And, uh, we hired a company who, who asked me to make a video of myself, like sort of asking, our fans and donors and supporters for money. And, um, I'm just going to say there's nothing more humbling than like watching yourself back in HD stumble through what's supposed to be a really heartfelt message. Like it's one thing for me to be on a microphone talking to people and like counting people in four, three, two, one for spin and for rides. Um, and even doing this because truly I don't really give a shit what I say here. It's, it's all just one large lengthy ramble and rant. Um, but when you're supposed to kind of out of a script, it's like, it's like just so awkward. And also it reminds me of when you are trying to record your voicemail and you're trying to do it kind of like secretly, like I have a roommate and I do really want to hear her to hear me like doing like five different takes. I'm pretty sure she did. I'm pretty sure she could hear it, this whole thing. And it was just like, reminded me of when you're like at your work and you close the office door and you're just like, you just want to get through it so badly <laughs> by the end. You're like, I don't remember what my name is. I don't remember who I am, what I do or what I'm asking you to do is fucking leave a message and let's be done with this. Um, so anyways, it's been a funny day because I'm like, now I think when I just did my intro, I'm just more critical. Like there's a point where you're watching yourself back on video and you're like, I didn't realize my face was that like asymmetrical or that like one side was so different than the other, like vastly different or that I need to get my eyebrows done. I guess we all need to do it's, it's COVID quarantine, but Anyways, we are here to talk about spin. Um, this is going to be an episode that's focusing completely on my spin journey, as I said, and how I became an instructor. And I have some questions from people, which is kind of new and different. Normally, I just sort of like go off the cuff and start talking, but I am going to use them kind of as a roadmap to say what I think you might want to hear about how I became a spin instructor. And then there's a lot of people I think who want to become instructors and, you know, know, want to know what it's like, because I certainly think it's like the best job in the world, being an instructor, being a coach, being a motivator, whatever you are being in fitness and helping others find their path and find, you know, a new, a new passion. Um, but it, it wasn't an easy road. <laughs> it wasn't an easy road. <laughs> So I'm going to talk, I'm going to start, let's start back in 2008. We're going way, way back. I, um, I was a volleyball player. I played volleyball for CMU. I was the captain of the team. And towards the end of that, 
um, season, I was just like, man, I, you know, everything's going well. We're going to win everything. And I just sort of feel like volleyball is done. Like my body is broken in a lot of ways. And I just, I want to see what it's like to work out for a different purpose. So I got trainers and decided to do a fitness competition. And I talk a little bit about this about in my episode called a girl's got to eat. Um, but I became, I started doing fitness competitions under these trainers and really got into, um, just going to the gym and actually having a, a like a system and a, like a training regime, which I didn't really for volleyball. I just kind of showed up to practices. And through that, I started doing a lot more cardio and started once good life on Keniston opened, actually started doing there's RPM classes there. Um, and it's kind of funny to think back cause I thought those classes were like so intense and so hard. Meanwhile, it's like daylight, there's windows everywhere. The music is all weird covers because they can't actually get the license to, to like play the, the original track itself. So it's, it's kind of funny thinking back, but I fell in love with spin then I, it felt like, it felt like a workout that was, that reminded me of being back in a team at this point. When I started doing these classes, I had been out of that team sort of um, uh, structure and I really missed like working alongside, working out alongside people and like doing my best and finding that next level of energy because somebody else was working really, really hard. And also I'm competitive and I fucking like would be like front row at Good Life RPM back in the day, just as I was for every other spin studio that I've since been to. Um, and then I started working at Good Life. I actually was a, I was in between my CMU degree and going to Crecom and I took a year off to like just work, which I hadn't done since high school. And I was a salesperson, a membership consultant at Good Life and got really into, um, meeting, like I just loved meeting people and this job was really cold calling. It was finding leads. You probably would have heard from me if your friend referred you to get like a free gym bag. I would have been the person calling you and being like, Hey, Janessa, it's Hannah Pratt calling from Good Life Keniston. Um, your friend Mary actually referred you for a free week here. I, yeah, that's so amazing. I know it's great. The only thing you'd have to do to activate this is to come in, um, meet with me for an hour and talk about your fitness goals. Isn't that great? (laughs) Obviously I didn't say it quite like that, but to an extent, Oh good. My dog is ripping up a sock over here. Um, if you hear any like slapping of ears, that's, that's him. That's not me. So I would call people and get them in and, you know, under the guise of a, of a free week of, of working out, like, you know, trial, a good life would get to meet all these individuals. And often I think it's, it's, I just have a curiosity about people, but I would get to know them on a pretty deep level. And these tours were supposed to take like 20 minutes and I would be sitting there for like an hour talking to somebody and just like making a new best friend to the point where my manager would be like, what are you doing? And like, kind of like signaling behind me being like, you need to do something else. And I'm like, this is Bailey and we are going to get her to her fitness goal of climbing this mountain at the end of the summer with her boyfriend. Like you just start to get into really personal topics with people because I think fitness is so interrelated with like your self-confidence and, you know, maybe self-doubt and trauma sometimes and obviously mental health. So 
I was working this job, starting to do more spin classes. And it was the only cardio that I was like not sick of. Cause at this point I had been, I'd done two competitions. I had a raging eating disorder and I was so used to just getting on the treadmill and having to run for an hour. And like, it didn't really matter how far I went. There was no metrics associated with any of that. It was just doing fasting cardio before I ate breakfast, which is absolutely insane. And so spin was something that became more and more positive to me. And I was like, you know, I just have this weird feeling I should be an instructor. And so I started sort of thinking about it. And at the same time I was getting into DJing and that's been, you know, another huge passion of my life. Um, and so I tried out to become an instructor, like fast forward, maybe a year and a half We're into, I want to say 2011, 2010 ish. And at this point I had been DJing for a few years too. Um, and, uh, (laughs) needless to say, I didn't get past the first round. It was really interesting because the first, like, yeah, so let's just pause. I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't make the cut. Uh, the, the audition was really interesting because like all the instructors knew me at this point. I was such a fucking diehard that I'd be front row. As I said, I had spoken to them. I had been practicing really, you know, there's nothing really to practice at this point because for a lot of additions, people know if they're listening, it's, there's not a lot of preparation you can do at this point. There's no, there's not a lot of resources that are out there to prepare you to become a spin instructor. You kind of just have to be a really strong rider and then see how you're going to be. And part of the audition process is almost like trying it for the first time, aside from, you know, talking to yourself in the shower and stuff like that. So I had done this audition, which was really like me being at the, at the front and them watching my, uh, form and good life is very big on form. It's not like, it's not like a rhythm ride where you're, you're doing some in really intense choreo. It's more about like very strong riding and a few different positions, but nothing really crazy. So I auditioned, didn't get in. Um, and I mean, like, I'm not going to say it was political, but I will say that the, at this point I had left good, uh, good life and was auditioning and I just, I don't know, there's some weird, there's some weird things. Um, but it, it was also just not meant to be, and that's completely fine. I kept going to spin and heard like this, like this, we're going back this was before obviously any studios were in Winnipeg. And I remember hearing about, um, from my friend, Amy Sire, who owns the community gym now that there was spin studios out West because she had gone to Creecom with me and was, um, out in Alberta and BC doing some, some different work. And she started teaching out there and she absolutely loved it. And I remember her and I talking about it and I was like, I think like Winnipeg needs a studio. And sure enough, you know, we move into 2015, I want to say 2016, I can't quite recall, but, um, WPG cycle opened and I was so, so, so excited and remember going for the first time. It was kind of like a weird moment because I had been doing this other kind of spin that was, as I said, very strong riding position heavy. This the less mills program, which is what all good life instructors do for all of their different um, fitness classes. It's under this one umbrella. So you, you don't have a lot of, uh, creativity. You get songs and you get 
sort of structured choreo and you like learn at this point at this time at least you learned different releases and could do a class but the class was preset for you so you didn't get to you know I wouldn't have gotten to bring in any of my DJ mixes or anything like that it was these as I said like these weird covers of people like singing a song sort of kind kind of like those like 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 teen bop or like those pop covers for kids kids bop is that what it's called kids bop it was like that but for adults um and so WBG was a completely different experience and it's very very similar or was similar to some some of the studios out west because they had been the same trainer who who or her name's Sunny um and she did some training at WBG I and I'm speaking just from like what I know I'm not you know, I don't know that much about how the the studio was set up, but I did work there for a bit as a karma person. Um, the first class I remember going to, I was like so confused. I was like, what are we doing? Like, what are these pumps and dips? Like what? This is so stupid. And I couldn't quite get clipped in. And it was just like, it was such a vivid experience where I was like, I'm such a fish out of water. And I had been so excited to try this new kind of spin that it was a bit of a letdown. Um, and I was like, you know what? I was going to keep going because I had a two week pass. And so I kept going and I remember going to Anna's ride. And I mean, if you don't know, she's with, she's on my team at wheelhouse. And I mean, anybody who goes to Anna's rides is just like blown away by her energy, her warmth. Like she's just one of those people who's so charismatic that you just want to be around her. And, um, I also went to Sheila's ride too, who is another person who's exactly like that. And I felt like I found coaches who were like the one that I had at volleyball, who brought out the best in me, who made me want to work harder. And I was just so fascinated by this mental sort of health aspect. At this point, I had lost my mom. Um, we were, you know, past 2014, which is the year she passed away. And I just found that that same feeling where this was deeper than a workout that I had at Good Life, but the difference was the scene was set. Like the actual studio had dark lights, had different colored lights that you could, you know, punch on for a beat drop, had candles. It was just a completely different, like immersive experience where you were locked in for 45 minutes. You had zero distractions. You were watching people go like lift weights outside the window and everybody was feeling that same sort of connection and I was just immediately hooked and so I started working um they did a sweat exchange at the time so I was a karma person and like my goal is really just to like not pay for classes and because you know a, a hobby like this is expensive I totally recognize that and I wanted to go to as many as possible so I would open the studio Monday mornings and I taught a 6 a.m ride and I would open, do the ride, like lock up and then leave and go to my, my job as like a director with the bombers. <laughs> it was kind of funny that I was like cleaning shoes. Um, but I just, what I love about spin in general and what I love about wheelhouse and I loved about that crew too, is that like we, we all sort of had different jobs and we all came from different backgrounds and we were all different ages and we just found this common connection so it didn't matter who I was outside the studio. We were all like doing the same job and it was, you know, really kind of beautiful. Um, I'm going to kind of skip over some of this, but I, I was interested in becoming an instructor and they had a, a lot of people who wanted to and the kind of a bit of a, a wait list going and there was going to be a training group um, that unfortunately just didn't pan out. There was about six months of sort of 
you know, it was supposed to happen and then it was rescheduled because of the trainer schedule. And then it ended up happening when I was in South Africa for my friend's wedding and there was another one and it just, you know, it wasn't clicking. And sometimes I think the universe, whatever is like, this is not for you (laughs) and things will never line up. And you're going to try and make this happen. And it's just not for you. And I remember feeling so frustrated because I was like, I just want this so badly. And I want it bad. I felt like I wanted it more badly than anybody. I had been trying to become an instructor since, you know, 2011. So whatever, like six years prior. And it felt like it was something that I was meant to do. Um, and it was really frustrating, really heartbreaking, to be honest. At the same time, I had reached out to... My friend Taylor Renault, who I knew from having worked for the Bombers, um, we he played for the team when I was uh, the community relations director there, and so I knew him. And I think we like actually went to junior high together. I can't even, I can't. We're around the same age, and he was working at Cycle, which was another studio. And I was like, okay, this might be this might be my shot. And I, I just didn't love the style as much. Like once you fall in love with a studio, like the the one I had been at, you sort of feel like it's your home. You know where everything is, you know what bikes you like. They had different bikes. And I just was like, Oh, like it's not, it's just not my, it doesn't feel like where, where I was supposed to be. But he immediately knew that I would, you know, he thought I would be good at it or he didn't know, not like that egotistical, but he thought I would be good. And he expressed that. And he was like, come on board. Like we're doing training and we can get you on the schedule in like a month. And I immediately, you know, like a few weeks later was on the schedule, taught my first ride. I want to say within a few weeks and did a co-lead with him. And (laughs) it was like, you think you know how you're going to be like as a rider, you think you watch instructors or motivators or whoever. And you're like, like, Oh man, they fucked up. Oh man. They fucked up on that count. Oh, like it's just, Ooh, this this wasn't like their best ride. Like I know that you guys think that I know because I did too. I would have like, when you're doing something so much, you just develop more of a critical eye on, on beat drops, on countdowns, on movements, on everything. And you, cause you're in it, you're in it as much as we are, except for the fact that you're not teaching. And so it's really funny. Then you get up there and you get a microphone in your face and you realize how fucking hard it is just to breathe and not breathe so heavily into the microphone. Like it's, it's just something basic like that, not stumbling over your words, not missing a beat drop. You don't, you just don't understand how challenging it is. Um, until you're actually doing it. And it was kind of, it was kind of funny and very humbling for me. And I honestly think it's a great thing to have your ego like knocked down, especially when you're doing something like this, because it's a big responsibility. You have people who are signing up, who are giving you 45 minutes of their time. You should be good at it. And you should have some situations where you're like, fuck, that was challenging. Um, so I was at the studio for a while and I really felt like, it was like my opportunity to cut my teeth and really like just teach as much as possible. At this point I was working for an organization, um, that was, it was a remote job. So I was teaching two, six AMs a week. I was teaching like, I think an evening class and a weekend class. I was teaching four or five times a week. And all I wanted to do was get as much experience as possible. 
And like with anything, it's not going to go smoothly. There were musical issues. There were speaker issues. I think we're really lucky to have um, the type of system we do now. And because spin was, you know, so new, even at that time, there's just things that every studio goes through. This is absolutely no shade to anybody, but it was certainly a learning experience for me. And I think it was a learning experience for everybody. But like, if you plug in the laptop this way, and if you have this, this sound system, and if this headset is broken, like there's just things that you, I think every instructor should go to because through, because you have to figure out how to just do things on the fly. Um, and it was hard. And I remember in the first few months, I was so nervous before every single ride that I would like, uh, like the 6am ride, I just like didn't sleep. <laughs> like not only, uh, not only was I nervous, but I was in school and I was finishing courses and handing in assignments for like assignments that were due that day. It was just, it was a lot. And so I was teaching quite a bit of classes and I just treated this as like my opportunity to like, it was almost like base camp. Like I like boot camp, whatever you want to call it. I was like, I want to become as good as I possibly can in this time frame. And I was, but I was so nervous before every single ride. Like somebody in the question that I asked my followers, you know, what do you want to know about being my spin journey, whatever. And they're like, were you ever, are you nervous before rides? And I'm like, I'm still nervous before rides. Like I'm of course, but then, then it was like an anxiety that was like, I felt like my whole body was just like, I, I was so nervous. I would drive to the studio and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this to myself? I just had a faith that I would be good and I can't explain why, but I really enjoy challenges when they don't come easily to me. And I just was like, I want to work so hard at this. And there's so many humbling moments when you have people sign up and then four people cancel right beforehand. And then you, you know, you have like 10 people maybe to start with half cancel and you have like a class of five. Like that was my reality. Like that was literally that those were the sizes of classes when you first start because nobody knows who you are and they don't want to necessarily waste 45 minutes if you're going to be shitty. That's just, that's, I completely get it as a rider. So I would have these like small class sizes. I'd have friends come and see me ride. I'd have partners come and see me ride. I'd like, I would do everything to try and increase my class sizes. And then I would, I started getting into like more of the marketing of it. And I would try and find themes that I thought would resonate with people. I tried to do lots of co-leads so that I could like watch and learn from people. And slowly but surely my classes just started filling up and there was a point where I looked and there was like all of my, all of my rides for one week were waitlisted. And that wasn't the case for everybody else in the schedule. It wasn't like, it was just a busy week. Like people were coming to see me and I was like, okay, obviously I'm doing something mildly correct. If people want to spend time with me and you know, you make a lot of mistakes, you make a shit ton of mistakes at the beginning. And I did too. And there's things that I like look back and I just sort of laugh at myself for the fact that I was so overconfident about my abilities as a DJ that they were going to somehow make me an amazing spin instructor right away. They don't, they didn't. Um, in fact, they tripped me up a, a little bit, but it did, you know, I'll pause. It did. And it still has helped me quite a bit in terms of my musicality and things that I just understand about music and I can hear a beat and just know when it's going to drop. 
but there was, I had this weird pressure that I sort of placed on my own shoulders to be super creative, super ingenious, to sort of educate people on really amazing music that they've never heard before and remixes and mashups. And as by virtue of that, I just like was so terrified of being boring and people knew I was a DJ and I just felt like I had this reputation to live up to. So I never wanted to use songs that weren't remixed or mashed up. And as a result, I use a lot of shitty mashups and remixes. And there are a lot out there, especially ones that are in DJ pools because producers will mash something up, remix something up, sell it. You have a subscription to that website and you can download it. And it's like often tracks that are, that are like tried and true that are, older tracks so like old school hip-hop for instance and they'll remix it and they'll just have like a really shitty beat drop and you're like but the original song is like five minutes long and so you you're you're kind of struggling between trying to find a remix that's good and one that and using the actual song which is like way too long like literally pony by genuine is like five minutes long it is a long ass song it is a long song to be body rolling for thankfully people love body roll so we will continue to use it but I made a lot of mistakes and part of this series about, or this podcast is, is that I want to do another episode with other spin instructors, um, and talk about some of the mistakes they made because it's super funny to look back and be like, man, I just was a completely different instructor back then, but you grow, you learn, you have these, I was going to say humiliating, (laughs) humiliating and humbling experiences where it definitely humiliating. Definitely humiliating, actually. Experiences where you fuck up, and then you know you have you have, as I said, you have small classes. You have people who aren't signing up. You have like empty rides. You have like I think I had like four riders in one of my rides at one point. And you just you just keep hustling. You just keep keep going and keep getting better. And if you can lead a, a ride to two people, four people, and now to a camera because we can't even lead to people, you're gonna be good. Like you just will be. You have to sort of pull out all this other energy. It is so easy to teach to a full class. There's energy coming out of the walls. Like you don't need to to do. I mean, you you do need to be good to even get to that point, but you, it's, it's like DJing to a full room. The energy is just like, you're going to play a song and they're just going to pick it up. It's much more, there's much more pressure to do it to a small room. So anybody who's a new instructor or who wants to be one, this is just sort of like, this is just boot camp that you have to go through. Um, and so once I got to wheelhouse and that happened because Taylor and I had a conversation, um, and I knew he was thinking about opening one through like we had this coffee and I I just had a feeling and finally he's like it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen in the next few months do you want to come and I was like a thousand bajillion percent Taylor is like one of the best people I've ever met I knew that because I knew him as a player and you know working for a football team there's people who are not great people and he was always the same person um, and I, I really was excited by everybody who was going to be on the team. I knew a lot of them and I was like, this is just going to be like the best. It's going to be so, so fun. And it was definitely hard. We had, uh, it was fun and hard. We had months of training where we would be training, you know, after sometimes I teach a, a class from my previous studio and then go train, um, before I like gave them my notice and I'd like be spinning for four hours on, you know, in, a, in kind of like a not ideal space because the vault wasn't open. Wheelhouse wasn't built yet. And I can get really fussy about equipment <laughs> if it's like not up to standard. Cause I, 
it just, I just, it's one of my things. It's my Achilles heel. If things aren't, if like the music isn't good, if the speakers aren't good, if the bike isn't good, I can get really, um, uh, fussy and like grumpy. And this was, you know, we were in a, a small studio that's just like not a premier studio. It's great, but it's just like the bikes are not the ones we use and they weren't the ones I was using at the time. And, and we would critique ourselves and we'd video, we would like record ourselves and we would give each other feedback and we'd workshop how to motivate. They would throw songs at us. I still, Taylor, if you're listening, when like anybody who's listening, I, they would like give us a song and be like, motivate it, lead it. I'm like, I've never heard it before. They're like, that's the point. I'm like, when is this ever going to happen in real life? Like when? I still don't a hundred percent know, but I will say it was good practice just for like dealing with things off the cuff because there's things that happen to us all. I swear to God, Allison has the worst luck of anybody I've ever met and her computer crashes all the fucking time. <laughs> and so, and just, there's a, a myriad of things that will happen to you as an instructor. Um, but I, yeah, we, it just looking back, it felt like a blink and vibe, but it was, I remember we were all just so excited for it to open because at that point we, most of us had left where we were teaching. We didn't have any outlet to teach. And it was like, we were just waiting. And finally we did these warehouse rides and there's just like a feeling. I remember like almost passing out after I taught my first track at the warehouse. Like all of these, we had all these motivators from Regina. There was Des, there was Michael, the Kyle was there, Lyndon was there. And I think I led Thunderstruck uh, Crookers and that was Annie had helped me figure out some choreo earlier that day in the warehouse in this like cold warehouse that we had gotten and I was just petrified but I was so excited I felt like my whole body was vibrating and there's just something that like happens when you count everybody in and like it's just this connection that you have with people, the feeling of being in, at the front and watching this all happen and yelling into a microphone and have people yell back at you is something that a feeling I'll never get sick of ever in my life, ever. Um, and from there, we we opened Wheelhouse. And it was like just, I think we just were, what I why I feel like we were successful was A, we had a really solid training program. We were really focused on athleticism. That was like a really big focus for us in training my feedback was always to be more athletic. Like I'm, you know, one of the older motivators and a lot of like, if you look at somebody like Julia, she's so amazing and she's a track athlete, like a former track athlete. So like her rides are super athletic. And that was something that I had to kind of work at because at this point I'm like the old, old bag who's like trying to keep up with everybody. Um, and we just, we started doing a ton of co-leads. Um, we had at this point, like I had sort of helped recruit Anna to come to wheelhouse. So she was, I mean, she'd already been a part of the training group, but she was there. Sheila was there. So all these people that I had been looking up to as my favorite instructors were with me. And I just was like, I still felt like I had to, you know, work up to their level really. Um, and, it's been just like the most amazing journey, but it really, when I look back and to sort of summarize all the things I've talked about, I was rejected from one studio flat out. The other one, uh, the training was supposed to happen and, and then didn't happen for me. And that was like the second time. And I had watched other people who had, you know, been doing spin for like maybe a year who was like, I'm going to be an instructor and then see them to get into this training group. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I swear I will be good. I just know it. This is one of the things I know deep in my 
body that'll be good at. And like, as I just said, I was shitty at first. So please don't think I'm being egotistical or like overly confident. I just knew I would be good at some point. And this is over a period of like seven years. And then I taught at a studio and it wasn't, you know, quite ideal for, for a few reasons. There was emphasis on other types of classes. And I, I really like the rhythm, like choreo classes. And then finally we get to wheelhouse or waiting to open. And, and it's, it's December, 2018. And this is like, I started spinning literally 10 years prior. So we've had a training group come through wheelhouse. And I remember our auditions were so, so packed full of people and, I knew that a lot of them weren't going to make it just because we just didn't have the spots. And, and, you know, with, with COVID we've had even less, like, like everybody who's been teaching at wheelhouse loves teaching at wheelhouse. We are still, most of us are still here from the core group minus people who have moved away. And like, that is, I think that's rare. Um, I don't, I'm not comparing this to other studios in the city, but I just mean from a, from an employee stand, like turnover standpoint, we fucking love being motivators at wheelhouse. And that is, that is not an easy thing to, to join because we all want to teach and we want to teach a lot. So I remember seeing this group of people coming through and I was like, you know, I wanted just to explain to them that from from my own journey, it had been a 10-year endeavor to get to where I was with two rejections. That, and I kept going with it. So if this wasn't going to be their time, and if you're listening and you've gone through something like this with another studio or with another endeavor, whatever it is, just because something isn't happening for you right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Especially if, you've, if you have a confidence within you that it, you you want to try it or you know that you know there's something left on the table and maybe it just wasn't lining up like I, the situation I spoke about earlier where I was working at a studio and the, it, the timing just was not lining up. That doesn't mean that you're not going to do it and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. So I want to sort of like really hammer that point home because anybody who's listening who knows me and who maybe wants to become a motivator at Wheelhouse, like like, I don't want you to give up on that dream. And I definitely don't want you to give up on, on the dream of becoming an instructor. Um, sometimes the situation is just, isn't right. And, you know, I have very good friends who were, were key examples of that, who, who've tried out for a studio, didn't make it and are teaching somewhere else now. And I think that's like where they're meant to be. Um, and the more experience, just like when I went to this other studio and ended up teaching, I just needed to get on a bike and with a microphone on my face. And that was at that point, I was like, I just need this. And I, it may not be long-term ideal. It may not be where I want to be exactly for the rest of my life, but I, I need this experience and I need to get better because I don't want to go to the big leagues or to a studio that is, you know, really, really where not big leagues. I don't want to, I really, again, I want to hammer home. I'm not shading any other studios and I never would. But when I'm talking about my experience, I have to, I have to be truthful with what's, what I felt like was the best place for me. And I feel like wheelhouse is the best place for me. And so at that point, I just needed to get experience. And if that, that might be your path where if you want, if you want to be a boxing instructor and maybe you want to teach at this studio, you go teach somewhere else first that has availability and needs you and will help you grow and help you get more experience and more hours under your belt, just being in front of people. (sighs) So I've been speaking so fucking quickly through this whole thing, but I just get so excited. I'll, 
I'll get, so I, I kind of took you through the timeline of becoming a spin instructor and becoming a motivator. And, and I'll say this is an ongoing journey. Like now I've wheelhouse is coming up on its two year anniversary, which is so crazy. And, um, to think back and I've been learning this whole time. You never stop learning. I think when you stop learning, you stop getting better. You stop growing, you become stagnant and then you'll just see that reflected in your numbers as a motivator, as an instructor. I am very, um, I, I think I come off as being, I hope I come off as being like, you know, less a fair and very like flexible and open and fun and, and happy, but I am very particular and Taylor would know this better than anybody think that I'm very particular about my numbers. I am super I look at these numbers every single day of who's signing up for my rides of, you know, how full they are. I am a data driven person who can become a little obsessive. And when I see numbers, not, not picking up or classes, not filling, I take that on myself and I'm like, Hey, I must be doing something that's, that's not great. Or they're the theme didn't land like I thought it was going to land or, you know, I'm up against somebody else who is kind of similar to me or is very popular. Like I had a class that was 6:45 PM on Tuesdays and that's right before hip hop Tuesday, which is like one of our most popular classes, most popular rides with Julia. And <laughs> I was like, okay, well, we're going to need to really, really try our best. And so with my communications and marketing background as an instructor, as a motivator, I'm somebody who's on social media quite a bit. I am looking at themes. I'm trying to develop co-leads. I'm just, I, I feel like I'm hustling a bit. Um, and maybe more than I would have thought, uh, I thought I would be before I started this whole journey, but I just realized that. I really want to be successful at things always. I want to give something my hundred percent. And because I feel this like incredible responsibility to my riders, I want to make sure they're getting the best experience. And part of that having great experience is having a full room when we're able to do that. So I started developing co-leads and themes and like Julie and I would always like by the end, I mean, I think we had comparable numbers in terms of how many people were riding. And again, this may not mean much to some people, but to me, that was sort of validation and that what I was doing was resonating. Looking back from the, when I first started teaching and had four people to ride and like, or like 10 people to ride 15, like you just see this growth as a, as a direct response to like the effort you're putting in it, in my opinion. Um, and, and it can be hard. And there's times where you go through like periods where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know if this is the time slot for me, whatever. And you, I don't think you should take everything on yourself, but I'm that, that's how I am and that's who I am and that's what I do. And it's, you know, I think it's a positive thing to keep me driven, but it's also can be, it can be a lot of pressure for sure. Um, my, my style now is I try and I try and just show my personality through everything I'm doing. I try and be very funny. I try and be self-deprecating. I try not to like try so hard to be honest. Sometimes I, like I just, something comes out of my mouth and I just go with that through the whole ride and like hammer it home. Um, I try and bring a ton of energy because I, I feel like I, I, it's my job to sort of command the room and 
and set the stage for everybody else. I think once you're, if you're up there and you're confident about what you're saying, and if you're confident about playing a certain song, even if it's a weird fucking song, like I play, I want you by Savage Garden. Like that's the Chicka Cherry Cola song. And sometimes you'll play a song that's a little bit off beat or whatever, like off, you know, whatever outside of the, the bounds of what's popular and, and today. And um, people will be like, oh, like, should I be singing to this? Is this, if you are having fun and if you are a hundred percent invested in what you're saying and what you're doing, people will follow. Like that's just, it's proven. And that's what I try and do is to like uh, give permit others permission to be silly and celebrate by bringing that sort of energy myself. Um, and so that's where we're at today. I mean, now we're, we're, I'm talking about all these numbers and it's kind of funny because I'm, we're teaching virtually. So we're definitely not seeing, I mean, I don't see the numbers. I don't really know how many people are riding. I know when some rides are more popular than others, because people will send me screenshots of them or whatever. Um, but wheelhouse live has been a whole different challenge for sure. As an instructor, you have to dig really deep to, to bring energy and sort of visualize a whole class of riders that would normally be there. Um, and you are very aware of all the things you're saying and that normally I think you, when you don't have an actual spotlight or camera on you, you definitely don't feel that same sort of pressure because I mean, you can turn off all the lights and just have a really intimate moment with everybody. And, and as, as much as I try and be very feelsy and motivational and all the things I do when I'm, when I'm teaching, um, just by virtue of the studio and having a very like bright light, it's like, you just don't, you don't get the same exact feeling. You just don't, but there's a lot of other opportunities. And I mean, it's been amazing to have people riding with me from Atlanta, from Utah, from Nova Scotia, from, I think there's somebody in Brazil, like I'm just so proud of the product that we put out in terms of the platform. I'm proud of our studio owners. I'm pr- proud of all the motivators from Regina to Winnipeg because seeing yourself on camera and adjusting is is not easy. Thankfully, I've always been, well, since I started my career in communications and doing Crecom, I literally trained in in being on camera and my all of my jobs have required me to do media interviews. And so I don't think this is a skill that, it came naturally to me, but it's been developed through my professional career for sure. And obviously I'm on, you know, have a podcast. I, you know, I'm not shy. And so that's been helpful to me, but there's still a lot of things that I'm learning and there's still a lot of things that I want to get better at because I watch my rides back after, as soon as I'm done them, as soon as they're uploaded. And sometimes I'm just like, Oh God, like, why are you saying hell yeah? So many times, like choose a different <laughs> choose a different saying out of anything else. Like I just envision like people having like a drinking game where every time I say, hell yeah, they just take a shot and they'll be fucking wasted by track too, because it's, it can be a lot. Um, so I'm going to get into questions because I think this, some of these might take a while and I don't want to, I don't want to make this the most, oh, we're at 42 minutes. God damn it. Whatever. It's the same, same time as a warrior ride. So here we are. Um, so what is your go-to line when you're motivating? I, well, I just said, hell yeah. I like to say hell yeah. Cause it's sort of like, it's sort of like an, um, an affirmation of people's effort in that moment. So it's sort of like pointing out what they're doing is good. But my go-to line, um, that I've had to sort of temper and like ration is saying, yes, you can. 
And I, I drop that at some very specific moments in a ride. I try not to overdo it. And it's really at that moment where we're right before where I'm asking you for like a bunch more energy. And I know that you're going to say like, I can't do this. Or we're in, we're in minute three of love on top by Beyonce and your energy is waning. And you're just like, oh, like you're struggling with yourself and your lack of energy or your endurance or whatever. And there's like, I know that that loop of, of negative negativity is happening in your brain. And I'm trying to also infiltrate your brain and saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Which is obviously the, the inspiration for my podcast title. What is your self-talk like before you do a ride? So before every ride, I, I like to, um, as I said before, I'm actually surprisingly particular about things. Um, I'm very routine driven. And so I leave my house an hour before the ride and I live about maybe 10 minutes away. I like to sit in my car. Um, I listen to my playlist on the way. I've been listening to it for hours at that point, but listen to my playlist on the way. And I do all my speaking aloud in the car. And for some reason that just works for me. I can hear the music really, really loudly and it's super loud in the vault too. And so it music and, and tracks can sound different when you're listening to them on your computer, then, then when it's kind of like right in your ear or like we have a monitor close to your head and there's different nuances and tracks that can kind of, sometimes when the volume is really loud, it can just throw you off and you can miss a four, three, two, one, if you don't know your music very well. And so I, my self-talk is really like, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing when I'm in the room, there is 10 minutes before, right, but when COVID was, the restrictions were still allowing us to have classes, we opened the doors 10 minutes before, but before that, backing it up, I would listen to a few beat drops. Um, I'd get myself a little bit warm. And then my, my self-talk that's come out recently to try and like temper my own ego and trying to stop my worries about what I'm going to be like and what I'm going to sound like. And I just say over and over and over again in my mind, jumping up and down that I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel that's here to serve my riders. I'm not here for my own glory. I'm not here to be good. I'm here to give people a feeling and a connection. And I just keep saying to myself, I'm a vessel, I'm a vessel, I'm a vessel. And I jump up and down a few times, like as if I'm about to run onto a court and I have some hype up music that I play, you know, for however long people are walking in, open the doors and I start screaming and shouting and getting people like right off the hop. My goal is to get people energized. And that's, um, that's never something I've told anybody about my vessel thing. So it's a good question. Um, somebody asked if I ever got nervous before a class. Yes, I feel, um, depending on, on who's riding and depending on if I know I have new riders or I have really great veterans, I feel sometimes more pressure. If it's a smaller class, if it's a larger class, depending on what's happened that day, I just sometimes will feel you know, less energized and therefore a little bit more nervous. I always have a little bit, I have butterflies in my stomach. They're good butterflies, but I do feel like nerves. I feel very aware and on. Um, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I don't, I don't really want it to. It's sort of like, it's just, I think it's a good thing because it means I care. Um, what's been your favorite ride? Oh man, I don't know. I couldn't, I can point out a few spin away stigma was one of my favorites, but it was hard because, um, this was an event I, I helped put on the last few years and it's obviously mental health is really important to me and very close to my heart. And so sometimes when you're so close to something, it's almost like 
it's almost harder. There's been some really surprising rides that I've had that just were normal ones that I just felt completely on. I had zero expectations in going in and they're just amazing. But I have a clip from last year uh, celebrating our two year anniversary of the, or one year anniversary of the warehouse rides. And I led Thunderstruck and I was the first motivator to like teach this mega group class we had going on. I was the first one on and it just like the energy was absolutely insane. And you can find it on my Instagram account if you want to see it. Cause it was just like, it was bananas. I would say that's one been one of my favorites. Um, what's the secret to riding and talking at the same time? <laughs> so this is funny. I, I honestly can't tell you, but you just start, you just breathe more like like smaller. Like I, I really can't say you learn to sort of breathe. Like you have your, your microphone on the left side of your mouth. It is right up in there. It has to be right against your mouth and you have to learn how to like kind of shoot the breath over out to the right side. Um, and obviously your, your endurance just like gets bigger and better with, as you teach. And so you, you're not like dying quite as much. And you, you honestly can't go a hundred percent when you're teaching. Um, I don't know anybody, any instructors who would disagree with me on this, but like you have to, cause you are exerting so much energy by speaking. You can't put more, um, you can't turn the dial up as much as some people are because they can't barely breathe and you have to still speak. Um, and honestly, the next question is how to, the best way to build up endurance. And I mean, as an instructor, it's just teaching more. It's like, it's putting harder tracks in your rides and, doing them and then realizing you can do them as you teach. And, um, as your, as your people, as your riders get more, um, as they build up their own endurance, you're coming alongside them, right? So you're kind of trying to push your riders as you get better, as they get better. I, that's why I look at my numbers and people who are in my rides, because I want to make sure that like the ride I'm delivering is at their level. And, and so you just get better and better. The more, the more you teach, to be honest, how are you adjusting to virtual versus in-person? I mean, I miss teaching as m- dogs ripping blanket. Great. I miss teaching in person, but not necessarily because I like, I dislike virtual. I, I feel, I feel there's so many benefits to both. I miss teaching as frequently as I was like, I miss teaching four or five times a week that I, I'm right now I'm feeling a little bit, you know, I'm starting to have some negative habits come in where I'm, I'm definitely more conscientious of what my body looks like. And this is stemming from my eating disorder. And it's just like how I am as a person. I feel like I, when I'm teaching four to five times a week, I'm in my ideal endurance level. I'm not worried about what I'm eating. I'm not worried about how I look. I don't care. And, um, and so it's, when I'm not working out as much, I just feel not as good mentally. And so I'm trying to figure out ways to, to combat that. Um, I'm doing classes, but as I just mentioned, you're definitely working harder when you're teaching and you're, and you're speaking. And so I really have to, um, amp it up a little bit more to, to get the same sort of sweat on that I would in front of, you know, a group of people or whatever. But I, yeah, I, I think I've, I feel adjusted now. I just wish I could teach more. And that's just the reality of, of, you know, the, the platform and, and how many motivators, as I mentioned before, we have, who are amazing, who also get rides and the schedule that we've got. Um, 
how do you keep the energy in your classes when you're having an off day? That's an interesting question. I, I think going back to my sort of affirmation slash mantra that I'm a vessel and just realizing that like, this is not about me. I, I don't actually find like I, I bring my off offness, my like <laughs> lack of energy from my day in, I feel like I'm so looking forward to teaching when I've had a shitty day that I just feel like this sense of relief almost like at this point, the like juxtaposition of how I feel as a motivator from now, from before, I still have a little bit of nerves, but like the vault is literally like my, my home. I feel so comfortable on the podium and I feel sometimes our days are, are full of shitty people and shitty situations. And, and I know the people at wheelhouse are amazing. Like I can't remember ever having a, an encounter with somebody. This one guy brought like his headphones into the ride before. <laughs> he obviously didn't understand what wheelhouse was. Um, and that was more funny. That was more like humorous, but I don't feel now like I'm, if I'm having a shitty day, I'll bring it into the ride. I'll sometimes I'll have a ride that I feel like wasn't as good and it's for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it was a track, sometimes whatever. I'm just, I'm my own worst critic. So I'll, I'll sort of lambaste myself after, after a ride, but I don't necessarily think it's a direct connection to what's going on in the rest of the day. If that makes sense. What would you say to a newbie spinner to keep them going? Oh my God, there's just going to be a moment where it, it just hits like, where you just feel like you're in the pocket and you just feel like you get it. It's never going to be easy and it should never feel easy. I just did a ride right before I, I, I'm recording and you know, there was aspects where it was hard. It was on a, I, I have strong lead legs on, on one side and I tend to go to that side for fast tracks. And this was pushing me to do the opposite. And I've had a long day. I've had a really long week for full of work stuff. And, and I was just like, I just was, it was hard and it's, it's going to be hard. I would just say that keep going, you know, don't give up. You're, there's going to be rides where you can't do every single movement and that's okay. Like I can't do every single movement in other people's rides. I literally signed up for a, a very well-known spin fl- platform to help with my own professional development as an instructor, as a motivator. And there's shit that they're doing. I'm like, girl, no, I am not doing that. I can't do it. It seems impossible. And I'm just like, I'll, I'll do my best. I'm not going to stop, but I, I can't, I'm not at that, that level with like whatever they're doing. I just don't have that coordination yet. And I'm sure if I really worked at it and I wanted to, I could, some of the moves I just don't, you know, see a benefit of doing, so I'm not going to do it, but just keep going. Like, honestly, just keep going. If there's just, if you're not out of the standing sprints out of the saddle yet, don't worry about it. Just, just race because my greatest hope with how, what I do and what we do at wheelhouse is that everybody feels like there's a place for them and everybody feels like they can try spin. And I truly believe it is one of the most accessible workouts from a physicality standpoint. Somebody used to work at a gym. Gyms are really intimidating and literally what we try and do at wheelhouse is make sure everybody feels welcomed. Everybody feels heard that, that the rides are, you know, we're, we're just shouting out your effort. We're not asking for perfection. Anybody can ride in the front row. We, we love everybody and we want everybody to come. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. Um, is it hard not to take it personally to see somebody have a difficult ride slash give up? I, I don't take it personally as in like, 
it's something about me. I, and I, and I feel bad or something. I will often, you know, when, when it's not COVID times, I'll get off my bike and I'll just like be in front of them. And I'm like, you've got this, you have got this. And I just want to communicate as clearly as possible that I have got their back and I know this shit is hard, but I believe in them and I want them to believe in themselves. So I feel very connected to my riders and I am always like scanning and seeing where people are at. I don't think I've ever seen somebody give up. Sometimes I've seen people cry. That's kind of something I'm known for (laughs) is people feeling very motivated and feeling like it's okay to let go. And, you know, obviously I try and and use my experiences to, to help motivate others and, and, um, sometimes we, we go through hard shit in that room, but I've never seen anybody like get up and walk out. Um, I've seen some people like do their own choreo, which I think is just like, I mean, if you're at the level where you're doing your own own shit and somebody's ride, like, okay, I don't know what you're trying to prove. And it's, it's, it's very distracting. Um, but I've never seen anybody like give up. I've seen people go through hard shit and I think that's what that room is designed for. So I, um, I think everybody should be, you know, it's it's a it's a room where there's it's dark we have permission to let go and you should take advantage of that do you prepare your motivational inspirational words or do they come spontane um spontaneously <laughs> i was gonna say a word that wasn't a word um half and half i have usually a track or two um that i want to communicate most effectively that i want people to feel most deeply and I, some of those tracks are like my tried and true motivation. You're going to hear me say the same things. Um, and that's on purpose. I want Paradiso to be about feeling and visualizing a wave of water coming towards you, washing away bad feelings and, and leaving them with good. And that's a very like quick and dirty way of saying it, but that's what I say for Paradiso. And so it's, it's intentional. Um, but often things just come to me and I don't know if this is the same for other motivators or instructors, but I think because I have a background in communications and I'm, I, a lot of what I do for my jobs is writing. I sort of find inspiration on the fly and, and when I'm speaking out loud, I'm almost speaking to myself. Like I'm, I'm usually reflecting what I'm saying from experiences I'm having currently. So if you hear me talking about not feeling good enough, about being asked to play small, about asking, being asked to dim my light, it's coming from how I feel. And then it's also coming from quotes and podcasts I listen to. Um, there's a quote in the Coach Carter movie where, and it's not, it's not from that movie. It's, they just say it where it's like, we're afraid of our own. It's not our, our, the, like our weakness that scares us the most. It's our own power. And like, who am I, who are you not to be shining bright and giving the world your, your light because it needs it. That's sort of a, a, a little bit of a, a summary of what that quote is, but I've used it quite a bit because it struck me so much that often what's holding this back is our fear that we're going to be so amazing. And, and it's sort of like, we're, we're afraid of how it's going to change our life and how people are going to see us differently. And we're going to lose friends and playing big takes chutzpah and it takes being brave. Um, and so I often will take, you know, little bits of inspiration from quotes. I've also lived and had some hard things happen to me and I tend to connect with instructors and motivators who are a little bit more mature, who have also been through some hard shit because I just sort of, 
I just feel like they understand. And I've, I've done some instructors rides, you know, not anywhere specifically, but who will be like, you know, anything in the world you want, you can have. And that fucking pisses me off because it's not true. And anybody who, who has lost somebody will be like, that's not true. And they'll immediately become disconnected and demotivated by what you're saying because they realize that it's bullshit and you don't know who they are and you don't know what you're talking about. And because spin and working, working out is like connected to your mental health. I just think that our words have such power and I don't want to say anything that's not true. I don't want to say anything that's, that's bullshit. I don't want, that's not who I am as an instructor. And and I don't think anybody wants to be, but sometimes people overreach and they talk about things that they don't have experience in. I can't talk about every topic, but I can talk about the ones that I know. And the ones I know are mental health, our grief and loss, our overcoming challenges, our coming through really dark periods in your life and, and finding that light again. Those are going to be the things that I talk about um, because those are the things I've experienced and know quite intimately. Any tips on how to learn cueing? Mm, that's a hard one. Um, because I, f- I feel like sometimes it needs to come naturally to you when you have an ear for music. But what I will say is that every song is in an account of eight. So when I count in four, three, two, one, we're actually counting in eight, five, six, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And you can double it up and go 16 counts and then double that up again and go 32 counts. And so any any cueing you're giving should be in counts of four. And there's some instructors at some studios that aren't very particular about this and they'll say three, two, one, but they're just not saying the four. Um, wheelhouse is, it's part of our training. We count down from four and that's, that's something that we all had to learn how to do. And so when we don't say the cue, it's usually just because there's so many different cues that we're giving. And so it kind of can be redundant and people can count, but just count down from eight start to get like familiar with kind of song structures. There's going to be that climactic moment that drops into the chorus. And then for like a house song, there's going to be periods where it's quieter and, you know, you can do whatever motivation you want to do then for learning to cue hip hop songs. I want to do like a whole instructor resource thing. I'm just feeling really inspired and helping instructors right now. But anyways, for hip hop songs, memorize the words that the artist says right before the chorus because hip hop is is harder to identify that that chorus coming in often if you think about hypnotized but notorious it's just not it's not this big like it's not like a big climactic drop it's it's like escargo my cargo 160 and then it goes into like biggie 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 can't you see and that's the chorus and so memorize the word that he says right before getting into the biggie 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 and then you'll then you'll just know um or or you know memorize the eight counts beforehand because it can be hard when you're speaking and you're trying to cue and you're trying to whatever and then you miss the beat drop and you're like everything's fine guys just wait like just wait eight seconds and then we'll get in and riders know how long does it take for you to prepare a class? Um, it can take anywhere from um, 10 minutes to, to whip together a playlist. I'm not, that's not ideal, but it can take, uh, at this point, I know my music well enough and I've taught so many rides that I can like draw from, and I have a certain template of how I structure my rides that I can sort of plug and play tracks. Um but I also like I'm teaching on Tuesday, I think, and I today is Friday and I'm 
I'm starting to put in songs and I've been thinking about songs all week. Um, if it's a theme ride, it should be, you should, those are harder to teach. Um, often there's going to be a few tracks you might not know or might not know as well. And so I try and, I try and like at least three days before I start queuing up and start putting in, but often, man, like doors will be about to be opening. I'm still fucking around with my playlist. Cause I'm just like, you know, Anna and I have spoken about this before and you might just not be in the mood for that song that day anymore. <laughs> You're like, I, I want to feel inspired too. I need to feel energetically enthused too. So we're going to switch it up. Um, how many classes a week do you create and instruct? Is it physically and mentally challenging? Yes, it can be for sure. I think it's, it can be hard on the rest of your day because it is all consuming. I think for every one of us motivators, we take such pride in what we do we want to do it well. And so for me, I'm, I teach, I, I teach usually four or five times a week four usually. Um, and I also work full time and I also have a partner and I also have a house and I also have volunteer endeavors. And so when you're teaching, you can just, you have to just figure out what's, what's your schedule. That's perfect for you. Some may, it might be once a week. It might be five times a week, whatever it is. I know what is going to, give you energy versus like drain you and have you feel burnt out because that if you are feeling burnt out I think that's what something when your riders will know um and mentally challenging I don't know hmm I think it's just like if you're not eating enough and you're not feeling well and all that stuff then you're being burnt out then you won't feel great but I usually feel like a rush of endorphins right afterwards and it's just like the best feeling so physically I I need it like I I wish I was teaching that much but you know say la vie how do you keep being inspired how do you create your playlist so that they're always amazing oh my god person I don't even know who this is because they have like a, a a handle that's that's different I don't know who they are they don't have a profile um I swear to god it wasn't me <laughs> like this bitch just fucking put this own question in I did it I swear I did it um I, I don't know. Like I, first of all, thank you. That's such a nice compliment. Um, you know, as people who are putting ourselves out there, it's, it's always really nice to hear that it's resonating. I, I think it's the writers who inspire me. Like I, it's this kind of stuff. It's like hearing from people saying that it's, it's making an impact on their lives. I get countless messages from people who have said that they've done a ride and it's made them cry or that they've, they, they felt like I was speaking directly to them or they now know my story and they were like, they're like, wow, I didn't realize this is where you're speaking about. And now it makes more sense. And you've just impacted my life. Like I just firmly believe, and it sounds kind of culty and whatever to somebody who's not part of it, who hasn't experienced it. I just think that like spin and working out and doing hard shit with a group of other people who you've never met before can be such a healing thing because you just are given permission to disconnect from your phone, disconnect from the outside world, be in a dark space, be vulnerable, feel like you can let go of your emotions and letting go of your emotions and letting them out while doing something physically like challenging is, is therapeutic. It just is. And I can't explain why I'd love to see some research behind it, but, but that those experiences inspire me hearing from riders inspires me. I love hearing messages from riders because it helps me know that I'm on the right path and I'm doing something that's resonating. So 
yeah, I mean, my playlists, I'm, I'm equally inspired to give people like the best experience they possibly can. Every motivator, like we're always, always on the hunt for music. It's like this constant thing. I try, I feel like I've locked in my playlist template now where I know it's attainable and that I have writers from all ages, all different um, health levels and endurance levels where, where my, my template allows them to, um, you know, catch their breath and, and, and sort of choose their own adventure, but still being able to meet, like, I want everybody to do the ride. I, I would never feel like it's a win if everybody couldn't do the ride or the choreo, that would feel terrible. Um, and I just switch it on the fly. And, and at this point, you know, I feel comfortable switching things on the fly as I've had to. So yeah, I think I'm just inspired by all of you. Really. I'm inspired by all of you to, to give you a better experience, to continue to make myself a better motivator, to continue to give resources I think are going to be helpful for people who want to become instructors, who want to become motivators, who see this as something that they're on the path to do. If that's your truth, like all I can say is it took me 10 fucking years and, and I'm not saying that it's going to take you that long, but I just, I'm just trying to explain how worth it it is to go through something and really continue to push and push and push and push for your dream. It may not be your, your moment right now, but it will be if you, if you're in it to win it, if you're in it, if you stay in the race, you will get there for all my riders who are listening. I absolutely love you guys. Thank you so much for these amazing questions. Um, I, I want to do one of these again and I want to do it with an instructor. So if you want to hear from another instructor, from a different studio, from a motivator at wheelhouse, from the owners, from anybody, let me know. Um, and if you haven't subscribed for my, my weekly playlist, please do so. You can find me at Hannah Rose spin. You can subscribe there. You can find my grief diaries blog there too. Um, have an amazing weekend guys. Stay safe. You've got this. And I, uh, I look forward to seeing you. The Wheelhouse Live platform. Have a great day.